Hop in your Bronco, hold on your pancakes, and take a drive with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, your favorite rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci-fi channel show Haven, based on the Stephen King novella, The Colorado Kid. I'm your first host in our father-son podcast, Alex French. And hi, I'm your co-host, Enchanter Sick, my real Wu-Tang name. Not that uh, other bell hot toad shit. Bell toad hot? Nah, you're stuck with bell toad hot. Enchanter Sick. <laughs> but let's continue. Um, once again, since you already found us, but uh, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts like Apple, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or Spotify. If you want to reach us, we're going to have all that information at the end of the episode and as well as the show notes. Just like every other episode, we start off with a quick summary just to kind of remind anyone who hasn't seen the episodes recently, uh, just kind of get you up to speed so you know what we're talking about when we're doing our discussion. So this one is episode eight, Ain't No Sunshine. And it starts off with a dude uh, walking through the town at night. Uh, looks drunk, right? Would you say looks drunk? Yeah, staggered out of a bar. Yeah, looks drunk. He's kind of walking home when uh, he gets uh, attacked by a shadow. I would say shadowy figure, but there's not really a figure. So it's just a shadow and uh, gets stabbed uh, through the chest and it pierces his ID badge. Right, yeah, from the backside through his chest. And uh, and then we uh, flash to the next morning where uh, Nathan is uh, waiting out on a park bench in, in front of uh, Jess's house with uh, a latte for her. And what do they talk about? What does their conversation kind of comprise? Uh, just, just playful banter. Just playful <laughs> banter. Okay. So Nathan leaves her. Uh, to go with Audrey to investigate the murder. They're looking into the dude. They find out he works at a uh, like health the, clinic. Uh, the Hesburgh Center. So Hesburg it's a medical Center. facility. It, it, his name's Bill Rand. He was a yeah. nurse. So they go to investigate Bill Rand. They kind of talk about their problems. Uh, Nathan, you know, was, he was out on the bench, which means he didn't spend the night in the bed with uh, Jess, which means that Things haven't gotten sexual quite yet, and Audrey has no friends. She keeps getting everybody's names in town wrong. She definitely is addicted to work. Yeah, and uh, she really hardcore busts Nathan's balls about not getting laid. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, so they visit the treatment facility, and what happens there? So when they get to the facility, they meet with the director of the facility, and she tells them, hey, you're going to hear about Darkman from some of the patients and, and so forth. And then they go sit in on a, you know, a, a grief uh, survivors group, group meeting where it turns out Jess works at the Hesburgh Center periodically, and she's uh, the counselor leading the, the grief therapy session. And in it, we hear about uh, we hear about Thornton and how his anger all went away when he lost his wife, Sarah Beth, uh, more quickly than expected. And then they get into the group actually approaches them and they tell them about Darkman and, uh, you know, led by Menchie and Thornton. And they tell them about Darkman and they take note. They, yeah, we'll look into it. But, you know. We flash to a suburban home living room where we see a couple uh, looking at travel brochures. The husband's like, this looks too expensive. And the, the wife's like, oh, trust me, we got plenty of money. And as he, when he leaves the room to order some food, she, all of a sudden, the shadow appears, stabs her from behind through the back, through the chest again, the signature, a stab of the shadow. Right. And so Audrey and Nathan come to investigate. Um, they find out that the stab is just physically impossible. The couch is pressed up against the wall. There's no way somebody could have gotten a blade that's big enough to 
uh, fit behind the couch at the angle and stab her through the chest. So they know something weird is going on, right? They start kind of pitching the idea of the dark man being a thing. So they decide to kind of talk to uh, everybody about them and everybody kind of gives different descriptions of the dark man. Uh, just the only really consistent thing is that he's shadowed out uh, and maybe has a big sword or big club or something like that. Yes. I once said it was a baseball bat. So yeah, some tall, some short, some, yeah, but always dark. And back at the Haven Herald office with the Teagues, Nathan and Audrey come and uh, they research their archives and find the obituaries for the Hesburgh Center, where it turns out uh, there have been 27 deaths in the past three months and 12 who died was before their time. And the two people stabbed both work there. So Audrey decides that she needs to uh, exhume the bodies to try to figure out what killed these people. Right. But before they do that, uh, you know, Nathan's looking super uncomfortable, isn't going to go have dinner with Jess like he was originally planning. Audrey offers to do the paperwork, but he insists on staying. Uh, we kind of find out that he can't feel anything, especially during uh, sexual encounters. So they haven't even tried yet. And he's kind of, you know, nervous, scared about it. Um, they kind of talk about it, but Audrey convinces him, yeah, go do it anyway. They kind of talk through it. And then Audrey uh, kind of goes to finish the paperwork and shit on her own when she gets a visit from Thornton and Menchie who are pissed off about their loved ones being exhumed. Uh, yeah, Men Menchie ends up, you know, re reluctantly understanding that it's necessary, but Thornton is still pissed as hell when he, when he leaves. Audrey is working at the office when Vince and Dave come to take pictures of her because uh, Vince wants to paint her and Dave wants to take a photo of her. And during that, the shadow... Uh, the, the shadow attacks again, uh, coming for Audrey. They managed to turn out the lights, which uh, cause no lights, which creates no shadow to kind of drown it out. And then they start using the flash on the camera to drive it away and stuff. Um, they get trapped, basically, because uh, there's a spot place where they can't reach the light switch and they need to call Nathan for help. Right, which interrupts. Uh, he's finally feeling it and getting down with Jess, but they get interrupted. Well, and at Haven PD... Audrey and Nathan are talking with uh, Doc Eleanor, and she informs them they all did die of cancer, but they did not receive any chemotherapy. Right. And so Jess is at uh, Thornton's house where she's kind of uh, looking at all the pills, finds a bunch of stuff, and uh, kind of figures out something weird's going on. So she steals the pills. Uh, Thornton figures out what's going on. He calls Menchie to talk about it. As we're kind of figuring out that what's going on, uh, Nathan's trying to get a hold of Jess and she gets attacked, right? Right. She is attacked by the shadow since she took uh, Thornton's uh, Sarah Beth medications. She gets attacked by the shadow. She survives, but gets sent to the hospital. Um, Nathan's just furious, pissed off as all hell. And they're going to go confront Thornton because they've kind of figured out that it's him. It makes sense that his cane would be the weapon that everybody's been seeing with the shadow man or the dark man. My apologies, the dark man. So they go to confront him. Um, and uh, Audrey has to guarantee from Nathan that he's not going to kill Thornton. He, she, she, you know, she's got to take his gun. He's got to calm down, but he's freaking out. He's pissed off. Um, so they confront him and he, you know, Nathan's kind of getting crazy and Audrey, calms him down and decides to, you know, tells Thornton a lie that the perpetrators, the people who were fucking around uh, with his wife's treatment stuff are at Haven PD right now. Right. Right. 
which is basically an attempt to lure the shadow over there, which when we get to Haven PD, Audrey is sitting in uh, one of the interview rooms with a bunch of flashes and two target silhouettes, which she is making small talk with trying to improve her friend skills, which I did find quite charming. Yeah. Um, so that's how they lure the shadow away. And then um, she uses the camera to drive the camera flash to drive, it, drive, drive it away. Right. Drive it to, to right. take it out. She drives it back, uh, back to Thornton. And that way uh, Nathan can then take Thornton and his shadow. Right. Yeah. To jail. So they arrest him. Um you know, Thornton also asks at one point, like, hey, you should just kill me. And Nathan's like, I should, but I'm not gonna. So he uh, my partner was, asked me not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it kind of, you know, to resolve everything in the aftermath of this crisis, uh, Jess leaves Haven. She, you know, breaks up with Nathan and he's like, well, I'll, I can go with you to Quebec. And she's like, no, 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 your life's too crazy. The troubles will follow you. Uh, you know, I liked you, but peace out. As Audrey and Nathan are kind of done locking up, uh, Thornton, they're kind of putting him in a house that's totally covered by blinds and you can't interrupt, don't knock on the door, don't let, don't open the doors. And uh, the blinds are all covered so nobody can get in, so no light can get in, so his shadow can't be formed. Um, Audrey, you know, says that she does have a friend. It's Nathan. He has a friend in her too. Uh, she kind of consoles him about the breakup. She kisses him on the cheek and our last kind of, well, not our technically our last, but we're really, the last important moment is Nathan kind of looking longingly because he felt a kiss on his cheek. Right. He puts his hand up right where she touched him and you could tell he's uh, he's blown away by it. It's a powerful <laughs> scene. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's clearly the like uh, the big crux of the episode. This is the big moment. Uh, the big, big, big moment reveal season. Yeah. Uh, so, OK, what did you think of the episode like ratings wise? I really uh, actually like this episode quite a quite a bit. It's a pretty cool trouble. Audrey is uh, is slinging uh, the zings all throughout the show. We get some Teagues, we get some Doc Eleanor humor, and the ending is obviously a, a huge development. Uh, I gave it a seven point five on the Frenchel meter. Like I said, I really liked it. Um, yeah, I would give it like a. Oh, it's tough. Either I try not to do like half points or anything, so I'll give it a uh, give it a six. There's some things I really like about, it, and there's some things I do not like about this episode. Uh, so we'll kind of talk about that now. Um, well, if there's no point fives on the scale, you know, uh, I'll, I'll move it down to a seven. Well, you use whatever scale you want. If you, if you want to use point fives and, uh, cause that's a 20 point, that becomes a 20 point scale, but, uh, which is, which is totally fine. I just try to use a strictly 10 point scale. Not that it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So my big, my big problem with the episode was Jess, um, and so we both watched the commentary, and one thing kind of talked about and addressed is that in this episode, Jess gets injured and then breaks up with Nathan because his trouble's too crazy. But in the commentary, it's revealed that Jess was actually supposed to die in this episode. Um, but the writers are basically, you know, the showrunners are basically told they could, you know, that's not, they can't do that. Don't kill her off. Yet higher ups didn't want it to happen. So, right. And there's some other developments in. The next few episodes that kind of make it that are a bit dark. So they didn't want too much darkness in the season is kind of what Sam Ernst alluded to in the commentary. Um, so it 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 causes these kind of problems where a lot of Nathan's behavior is based off of the idea that Jess dies. 
like his absolute rage and murderous intent to me seems completely unwarranted in the new version of the script where she survives. Like, has he ever displayed like, what did you think? I, I don't, I didn't think that was, I thought that was just kind of ridiculous. I thought it really, it took me out of the moment. Yeah. Uh, I think it is, you know, inconsistent with, with the character, but, you know, I, I guess if, you know, I'm, I'm going to play apologist, but for the writing that, you know, this is, this is Nathan's first uh, relationship since his trouble started. So, and, uh, Maybe, you know, he's just supercharged because of that. And this is the first time we're seeing him in a romantic relationship. And that maybe, maybe I'm with you, though. I don't think it's really plausible how he's like going on uh, you know, rampage. I agree with you there. Like he hasn't really shown in the past that he's willing to take it to that level. Right. It'd be one thing. Right. Yeah. He- no, he's right. Uh, you know, he gets mad at the rev, but you at no point was he like ready to kill the rev exactly and then we even he was he used to date that like the rev's daughter and even when like things are dangerous with her and like how the rev treats her he doesn't get to the point that he would like kill the rev but here he's i don't know i think there needed to be kind of a display of this type of rage like we need to know that he's you know could go off the hook because i don't think like right do or I'm, I'm sorry i don't think audrey or nathan really have it in like have displayed any kind of like cavalier attitude um i guess that's why it's called cavalier guilt uh they haven't shown this kind of cavalier attitude for vengeance the way this episode kind of showed and i guess you're right that we haven't seen him in a committed relationship like that but uh to me that didn't really it just didn't it didn't it, it just felt like a holdover from the previous iteration of the script where she dies. And it seems like they didn't adjust enough to compensate was my take on it because just the just is like reason for breaking up with him is just <laughs> it, it's dissatisfying. It was just lame because in the first time we meet her, she's like super down with his trouble. And I, I know it's different because she's now been negatively affected and like was almost killed by it, but she was like, Oh, you know, she was so, consoling to him about his trouble and being like it makes you special not a monster and here she's like yeah no i was wrong actually you guys are monsters bye like <laughs> well and, and she's been such an inconsistent character and you know oh i'm you know i'm animal rights but uh, hey i still hunt by the way even though the hunt club folks uh, are mad at me because i won't let them hunt in my land but uh okay. i hope well, it's okay i use trank darts but but you're eating venison so you still end up killing it so yeah. <laughs> um like somebody you slash their throats when you get them, like you know, it's no, it's not any like nicer. Um, Good old fashioned koshering, huh? <laughs> which so that was like kind of my problem is it feels like Jess has been a uh, a plot device through her. I think three episodes she's been on the show. It feels like the writers use her wherever they need to, however they need to. Where it's like, oh, we need a kind of suspect character. We want to get Audrey to give Nathan a kiss, which we didn't do in the first episode. So, but. We also kind of want to like create this like love tension romance thing with Jess. So she's used for that. Then, you know, at this point in the story, she needs to like be a gun, like, you know, use a trank gun. At this point, she needs to hate hunters. At this point, she needs to like troubled. But at this point, she needs to not like troubled. It seems like she's the ultimate like rubber band character where they just stretch her wherever she needs to go rather than having set characteristics. Uh, And that bugs me. I don't like that Uh, because I like Jess. I thought Jess was a cool base character that they stretch too many directions to get done what they needed to get done. 
Yeah, she was a good character. And, uh, you know, I, I won't miss having to pause and then rewind because of the accent. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Nathan, if you leave, the troubles will follow you. Do you th- like, like if Nathan moved to Quebec with her, do you really think any of this shit would like, yeah, okay, he wouldn't be able to feel stuff still, but it's not like a fucking stuffed bear would come attack them in Quebec or it's not like a no. guy would blow up a church steeple by touching a painting in Quebec, you know? No, that's uh, that's not really a good excuse. She, you know, the, the troubles, it, it, what would come with Nathan would be Nathan's trouble. He still wouldn't be able to feel her in Montreal, but that's the only trouble that would come with him. I don't know where, you know, how it's going to find him. Yeah, I there's mean, no other troubled people. It's not like Quebec, you know, has like, you know, Quebec doesn't have a guy who if he eats food, it turns rotten while he's stressed out or anything. I just thought that was a really weak excuse. I guess she could just if it would have been better if she was just like, I'm scared of you straight up. Like, I'm scared of you, like, or something. Or, like, if she had seen his murderous rage and was like, I'm not down with somebody who was willing to kill someone. That I could actually understand as her reasoning for not wanting to be with Nathan. Yeah, though you've got a factor and she never sees that. <laughs> right, right. No, I know. I, I know. I was saying that if she, if somehow they had written in that she had seen that moment, that I think would be a more a better excuse, right? Like if he was at the hot, if you actually went to the hospital, which we'll talk about more in a second, um, if he actually had gone to the hospital and then like, you know, Thornton showed up like, Hey, what's wrong. And then Nathan went ballistic and was like, I'm going to fucking kill him here or something, you know, then that, and then just saw that or something, or just saw some behavior or if just saw the way he leaves to always go with Audrey, then, you know, she could be like, jealous of that situation i thought though like i'm scared of the troubled people and like they'll follow you was the worst worst of the choices available yeah i'd have to agree because also why didn't nathan go to the hospital like i know he's like mad but it was just funny where like you know audrey's like oh you should go to the hospital and he's like no 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 and it's like no you know you know you really should just like go to the hospital like and clearly they have time. Audrey went to the fucking police station and set up target dummies in the fucking like interrogation room. But Nathan doesn't have time to go to the hospital to check on Jess. It was a, a bit of a stretch there, you could say. To kind of take us out of a negative space, because I just it's just been me complaining. Um, I really liked this idea of the shadow attacking, the shadow like going loose, it being a manifestation of Thornton's negative emotions and having its own will to kill people that he's unhappy with. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really cool trouble. It's uh, you know, one of my favorite ones from the season. Uh, it's which just one, uh, which one would you say is your favorite so far? Which trouble? Which trouble was your favorite to watch? And then which trouble would you want to have? Not Nathan's, uh, but one of the main kind of target, one of the main plot, you know, troubles. So we have weather control, right? We have dream, <laughs> random <laughs> dreams that uh, manifest in real life. That was cool shit, but yeah, you don't. I, I don't have any control over that, and that could bite me in the ass. It's so. happening while you're sleeping. You don't get any benefit of that happening. Then our third one is your music takes away people's like inhibitions or whatever, or unleashes people. Um, I don't think I'd want that one. That, well, but it also makes catatonic people uh, uh, alert. So there's, uh, if properly managed, it's, it could be a good trouble. Like if he took a Disney cruise out with with a ton of coma patients. Yeah, that, yeah. See, that's essentially what he does with a limited set on uh, his little boat. 
our fourth one was you eat food and you get <laughs> if you're stressed out or angry or whatever when you eat food it, the type of food you ate goes rotten um good for pranks yes you'd have to i don't know if you could like willingly make yourself like anxious or something um while trying to pull off that prank the fifth one was the succubus one i i don't think that would work for us i i don't want to see how that would work for us no 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 i <laughs> no suck you by we are not um okay so the sixth one being um you bring stuffed things back to life uh which could be people or i guess it's a way to immortality i think um and then seventh was your drawings can affect the physical. Uh, I'll take the drawings for 500, Alex. Um, I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take the stuffing. I'll take the stuffing. Um, you can have pets that never die. Yeah, yeah. That was a, I'm sure producer Steve would appreciate that, but <laughs> I still think I'm going to stick with the drawing, even though the thought of keeping yourself alive forever sounds, you know, pretty, pretty tempting as well. All right. So a question I had was, uh, well, yeah, so I like the shadow man or the dark man. I'm sorry. I keep calling him shadow man. The, the, which is a good comic, um, dark man, also a movie you like, right? Yeah. It's a cult classic, uh, from a 1990 starring uh, Liam Neeson and, uh, Larry Drake, uh, very, uh, you know, Sam Raimi's first film with a studio. Some of us are fans of the Evil Dead trilogy. And uh, this was like his first studio film and was really well thought of by critics. And to be honest, I haven't rewatched it in a while, so I don't know how it's aged over, over the time and all of that. <laughs> but I know I liked it at the time. And I know you I had you watched it when you were little with me, but you probably wouldn't remember that. So I know you did rewatch it and we're not a fan recent uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, well, like 12 years ago. Okay, 12 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, Dark Man's whatever. I did. I thought the Shadow or the Dark Man, I just did it again. The Dark Man could have been a bigger plot. I would have actually liked to have seen it stretch over a couple of episodes. I thought would have been cool. Also, to kind of like break the monotony of one episode cases, it would have been nice to have this kind of background threat of like, they still never figure out where the dark the where the shadow killer this dark man is going to appear next and it, you know and it can be a little background mystery for like you know like two episodes two two extra episodes but it'd also be nice to see an episode where they fail to solve a case can is you know they wrap up every case super conveniently it'd be nice to kind of have one where they you know at the end of the episode they're like well shit we didn't solve it you know and it's going to take you know episode 10 to finally get the shadow killer right well make it a more complex of a situation to address so that it can stretch stretch for two episodes versus like this where i mean it, it's patently obvious you know that thornton <laughs> yeah. is the is it's his shadow killing everyone you know, and yeah. did you did you guess i mean I, the second i saw him i was like yeah it's him yep. yeah i think yeah bl blind guy yeah with the cane with yeah, the cane <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, just because the irony of a blind guy, you know, in his shadow, not being able to see anything, that I was like, well, and, and then when he says, oh, when Sarah Beth died, you know, before Sarah Beth died, you know, I was angry and I was bitter. <laughs> and uh, soon, you know, when Sarah Beth passed, all of that went away. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, we get it. He's the killer. Yeah, we get it. And, you know, and I, I guess to be fair, the thing that we have to learn is, is he doing it intentionally, you know, yeah. but which we find out he's not. I mean, I guess there could have been more to it. Like what if Menchie was like emotionally manipulating him or something. Um, but 
It yeah, came out, get, getting him to kill people that she wants killed. Yeah, but it came out pretty much. You're like, yeah, it's him. Um, that's his like angry side, uh, and that's kind of all it was. Uh, yeah, so I I thought it was just such a fun idea and good concept that they should have tried to stretch it out. And since we know that they got the whole season order not ordered from the pilot, that they had time to kind of construct these. I would have liked to. In that situation, you have a bit more um, room to kind of do more planned out stuff earlier in the development phase. I would have, I would have liked a little bit more of that. I mean, Jess was a nice little three episode subplot, right? And I, but this could have been like kind of our new little subplot as the main mystery, I guess, pun intended, the main mystery (laughs) of Lucy has kind of not even been addressed for how many episodes has it been since we really talked about it? Uh, Probably. Well, I mean, a little you know, like Doc Eleanor says, oh, I'm, I'm going to help you find out about your mother. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So <laughs> information that seems to come out of nowhere um, where it's like, what? It's her mom uh, seems to come out of nowhere and doesn't really get expanded upon where, you know, Audrey seems to have like, mm-hmm, yeah, no reaction. Whereas I'd have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know that's my mom? Like, but anyway, we haven't right. really touched the big mystery in a while. So it would have been nice to kind of get this unless I'm, I'm, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot because in the next episode we're going to probably have a big mystery uh revelation yeah you're gonna look like that regardless of what you say but uh yeah we didn't get any development in the carl kid case which i would have liked but and you know and we didn't get any time with duke or with chief and i but i didn't mind i i i liked the episode it was this this one of my one of the episodes i like the most of the season so far yeah we didn't get any duke or chief what do you think Chief does with all his off time? It seems like it seems like he is actually never around. There's a shadow killer killing people <laughs> and kill, attacking people in the police station. The chief is just out fishing, I guess. Well, that yeah, you you would think you would think he would be inquiring with uh, Nathan and uh, Audrey if uh, hey, you know, what's the status? Are you got any ideas on this killer? You know, but uh, instead, he's either at the Haven Hunt Club, pounding beers and yeah. shooting harmless animals with his buddies, or he's out on his boat having boat drinks, listening yeah, to uh, the country cap- music. Yeah, the captain from uh, the last episode, or for, yeah, from Sketchy, taking him out for drinks and gambling. Uh, not anymore, since Nathan <laughs> refuses to jump in the water to save a drawing and lets a man drown, even though he was he was garbage. <laughs> he is a cop. So Audrey is a big point is Audrey is scared. Nathan wants to kill this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh... What kind of plan is it that Audrey's like, you know, all right, here's the plan. I know you're in a homicidal rage that I had to take your gun away to prevent uh, a possible murder. I'm going to leave you here alone with him in the dark while I go to the police station many minutes away that if you start going crazy, it's going to take me a while to get there and you'll probably be able to kill him in the time it takes. Like what fucking kind of plan is that to leave him there? I mean, she might as well have been like, all right, here's the gun with my fingerprints. Uh, I got gunpowder on my hands. Here's like an alibi for, you You know, she basically just set him up to kill this guy. Like, (laughs) Maybe she thinks her relationship with Nathan is so strong that him, you know, giving her the gun and pledging not to, that he will honor that. I, I agree with you. That's an incredibly large stretch, and I'm probably, you know, <laughs> going to bat too much for, for the writing job on that. But uh, it's like putting like, you know, like, I don't know, a heroin addict in a room with heroin and being like, well, promise me you won't do it. And I took away like, you know, I took away your 
you're rubber tubing and it's like well he's still gonna find a you know he's still gonna do it like even if you take <laughs> one of the main tools that he uses um i just thought that was a little preposterous a little bizarre which why not send nathan to the police station and like tell him about the cameras but i get i do get that she was the one who you know this would be her third time of having involvement with the cameras right with the like the first time they're taking the photo and then the second time it was just her vince and dave and then the third time you know well nathan doesn't need to practice his small talk on some silhouettes so (laughs) So, that's why it had to happen and fits it's just uh it's just funny because yeah she needs to definitely practice her social game because Whoo, she makes an ass of herself here. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is people not remembering names. I know it's something people, you know, really can't always help, you know, having like bad memory and stuff, but man, it really pisses me off when people can't remember, like when they can't remember your name, and I understand, but like particularly like others. Like I, I guess I get less offended when they can't remember my name, but I get more offended when I'm like, man, you can't remember that person's name even though I say this and I forget characters' names all the time that uh, in episodes we just watched. But in real life, uh, I try to be very good about remembering people's names. Yeah, the, the, the no friend shtick was all right. And the name spiel I thought was really funny at first. But then, like I said, it just uh, it went a little too long for me. And even in the commentary, uh, Sam says that sometimes uh, when he finds something that he thinks works really well, it's really funny or cute or clever that he might go to the well too many times. And I'll have to agree that's something I've noticed while we're going through this season, that when they find something like that, they sure do kind of hammer it. <laughs> you know, they go a little bit too far with it, but like, but I still like it. Like the... The good, like right in episode, I want to say it was four when everyone's like, oh, you look good, Audrey. And she's like, just good. Uh, it seemed like you were kind of annoyed at the overuse of that joke, too. I, I didn't I didn't mind that one too much. This one, I do agree that they maybe went one too many times, like where I was like, OK, now it's at the point of parody where she literally can't remember anyone's names. Well, uh, right. Now, earlier episodes, we talked about a Haven drinking game. You, you could have one here. <laughs> you do a shot every time uh, Audrey gets a name wrong. Yeah, well, you're going to the end of this episode, you'd probably need to go to the hospital for alcohol and toxic, you know, alcohol <laughs> to get your stomach pumped. Get your, yeah, get your get your stomach pumped. I, toxicity, alcohol, <laughs> alcohol toxicity. Well, I guess you wouldn't be able to get drunk, but if you maybe like take a shot anytime Vince and Dave are uh doing stuff where they're admiring Audrey's uh looks. We're here it's like, "Oh, can we paint you and photograph?" I'm like, "She's a cop." Like, what the fuck? No, you can't like paint me and photograph me. Like I'm working. Hey, he's gonna do the he's gonna do the painting off of the pictures do you, that uh, do you think Dave we're gonna, took. Do you think we see that painting? I don't remember. I feel like we do. I think we do. I think we do. Uh, I don't just remember. I don't remember. I can't say 100, percent but uh, we'll we'll find out soon enough. I know for sure that these guys worked in Minnesota because they love Target. Um, yeah, would, <laughs> yeah. Would, would would Target have a Haven? Have, would Target have a Haven? They might have DVD copies of Haven, but would Haven have a Target? I don't know. What do you think? You think they'd have a Target? In Haven? Maybe like in a nearby town, like maybe in a bigger town nearby. So Dave's gonna go drive over to like I have no idea where Haven is geographically compared to other main cities. I don't even know my main geography very well, but maybe. You know, maybe Banger, fucking Portland, have a. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I just. Target. 
Yeah, but he doesn't mention, yeah, it's, you know, I, I won't be able to get it to, to noon because I'm going to have to drive an hour to get to Target. <laughs> but but then again, we both know that they, uh, before they moved to Hollywood, uh, Ernst & Dunn, you know, ran restaurants in, in, in Minnesota, and that's the headquarters of Target. So kind of, I'm, I get it. As someone who I worked in Minnesota for a month, well, actually, I spent six weeks uh, in Minnesota total working, and man... They fucking love their target in Minnesota. It's like Wisconsin. It's like Wisconsin and Coles. Yeah. Yeah. That's or Wisconsin. God damn. Do you guys love Coles? Uh, they love target. Uh, well, and everything it, and, was, yeah, just go to target, get it at target, get it at target. It was always target. Yeah. It's not as cheap as your grocery store, but it's at target. <laughs> and uh, well, in Texas is HEB, the grocery chain, oh, which yeah. uh, they, they are awesome though. They're probably my favorite grocery chain I've experienced. Uh, though uh, King Supers in Denver is, is pretty, pretty darn good as well. Yeah. I'm a fan of Piggly Wiggly. No, we had, we had one in the, uh, <laughs> Where I grew up, and I didn't like it. It just felt weird. Something, something seemed off. What was the main grocery store in Wisconsin again? In Milwaukee, uh, Pick and Save. Yeah, it's the, Pick it's and the Save. Yeah, I believe it's owned by Kroger, who like owns King Supers yeah, and that. It's and it's uh, yeah, Pick and Save is regionally branded for Wisconsin. Yeah, so that we know. So speaking of that scene, um, <laughs> man, that was a that was a doozy with the the photography argument, the targets, and then. Our article about the dark man. Um, oh, gosh. So Audrey comes in being like, okay, all these people are talking about the dark man, and I need to figure out what's going on. Like, you know, let me look at the, you know, let me search in through your articles. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, dude, we're going to be so embarrassed. And she finds the only result. And yeah. what comes up? Well, it comes up in an article that says, black man moves to Haven from uh, 1959. <laughs> and, uh, Wow, that was not uh, what I was expecting. Even I'll, I'll <laughs> no. give the writers that they got me. They they yeah. got me. I wasn't expected that. And when I saw it, I was like, "Holy shit! Does that does that fly in 2020?" Yeah, I think I think so because it's like they weren't like, "Yeah, like what do you think, Audrey?" You know, they were clearly embarrassed. You know, and they're like, "Oh, you know," and Dave's like, "It was a different time." <laughs> like, yeah. And I think Vince says like uh, Haven's changed and that, you know, and they mentioned it on the commentary that, yeah. you know, they don't think it's unreasonable. And to be, be fair with them, I, I agree. In 1959, there probably weren't a ton of uh, black people moving, moving to Haven. Well, and there was something interesting with that article. It turns out uh, the black man who uh, moved to Haven was uh, from Alabama and he was a carpenter. And apparently a pretty good one. So that's what happens when you pause and you and you actually go get close to the screen and read it. Yeah, I thought it was nice because like it's ridiculous to think that this tiny town in Maine back in the 50s was like, you know, racially sensitive. Uh, it's realistic right, right. how it would be. And I like that Vince and Dave are like, you know, like, oh, you know, like this is, you know, we're not like this now. And like, you know, the town's not like this now, but it was, you know, it's like it, it's it's better to like admit and like have changed than to like sweep it under the rug or pretend that was never the case. Like, Oh, we were never racist. Yeah. What about that article? Yeah. Like they were like, yeah, it was bad. You know, like, Hey, we don't do that anymore though. Come on. Like another pet peeve of mine that like is Eleanor's. I know they're just trying to be like uh chatty and uh, you know, kind of, you know, there's a little bit of, I don't know what vinegar <laughs> and Eleanor's responses, right? With uh, Audrey, they're a bit biting at times. 
But yeah, very, like, very sar- sarcastic. That's kind of what they're, you know, uh, Doc Eleanor goes through a lot. So she f- has said, why can't I laugh and have, you know, and try to have as much fun as I can while dealing with all these uh, troubles and problems. Right. But when people do, when Audrey's like, oh, well, what about this? And Eleanor's like, well, that's not, you know, well, that's not my job. Like, man, I fucking hate when people say that because they think like they're being intentionally like obtuse on purpose to be an asshole when they're doing stuff like that. When it's like, yeah, I know it's not your fucking job, but you could respond with something differently. You could say, you know, like, well, I don't know. Or like, maybe it's this, you know, you could offer a helpful like word, but instead you're like, that's not my job and walk away. Like I hate when I work with people who, when you're like, Oh, do you know about this? And they're like, not my problem or like not my job. And it's like, could you just at least be like polite, not a total dickhead. Um, I know once again, I know they're having like yeah. a playful banter, but it's something that, uh, doesn't jive just a pet peeve of yours life. yeah yeah and in, in, in real life yeah it, it it's different and this is like like you said it's doc eleanor and audrey's relationship you know she she zings her yeah. and you know, vice versa but uh you know being a former army sergeant and in healthcare management for decades that you know I, i'm not a fan of when i would hear someone say that's not my job well you know that's in the army you don't get away with that yeah. <laughs> civilian world you can at times get away with that but uh, there's uh, something you'll always learn uh, probably in some of the work you've done is uh you get a job description and it says other duties as assigned at the bottom. <laughs> well it's so. also like you're a part of a team you know like and part of your duty as part of a team is like and when you're in a team, someone else's job is also lightly your job to a degree. I, I understand, like, I'm not saying, like, Eleanor should be there looking through the case files with Audrey. I'm not saying she should be, like, filing paperwork and, like, chasing down criminals. I'm not saying, to, like, but, like, part of your job is being part of a team. And part of your job is, like, cooperating with your, like, teammates at any job that's not individual. Um, you're part of, like, a network. So I think that's always bullshit when people are like, well, that's not my job. It's like, well, part of your job is being like my fucking coworker, my teammate. So like, don't fucking like, you know, don't, don't have that attitude. Uh, once again, though, that's just their relationship having fun, but must have obviously triggered something in me. Uh. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Yeah, I got you. So uh, one thing with this episode, I mean, Nathan really went through the meat grinder in this one. I mean, AP and Jess both busted up our busting his balls. Like when, uh, when she comes into the, uh, and Jess comes into the station and brings them food and the fucking, uh, Nate, you know, Audrey's like, you ain't marry this woman. And then uh, Jess is like, well, you've got to get to second base first. I mean, poor man, poor man. And it's to, uh, yeah, it's just the marry marry this woman comment is like, dude, how long have they been dating? It's not even like, come on. I hate when people say stuff like that. Yeah, and and then you know later on he finally thinks they're going his way, and then he gets he gets cock blocked. But you know, like I said, so he goes through the meat grinder on this one. But you know, you know, and this is something we'd wondered about in previous podcasts is you know, well, you know, if, is Nathan able to hoist the main sail? You know, and. Um, <laughs> Did we? He gets oh, to, we, we find talked about him being a bedwetter. Well, you know, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about Kenny because of the l- lack of feel. If he could, uh, you know, like I said, now hoist the mainsail and uh, you know actually ride the hobby horse with someone. But we found out in this one because at one point, uh, Jess says when they're kissing, she says, "You're ready," <laughs> and uh, so I, to me that implied that he was able to you know uh, make it happen. You were so just, uh, you I was pretty happy used- for. You're pretty happy for what? Him. You, 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 
I'm, wouldn't you wouldn't you be happy for it if you had a friend who it was in question <laughs> uh yeah a close I mean, friend I, I, yeah no i don't go around hanging my my friends going hey how you know do you need viagra or cialis no i wouldn't <laughs> i don't do that but uh yeah i, I thought mean, it was I'll good just, for him maybe that's why duke was throwing that party uh in the last episode right i was an old elderly yeah. woman but i like to imagine he throws parties for uh his friends being able to they celebrate it yeah i'll give a another uh i know you this is a bit i feel like this whole episode is an excuse for uh your innuendo terms for first yeah you know making the beast with two bags <laughs> yeah oh god he, he got woodrow so it was perfect <laughs> and uh yeah that's that's why i love this episode because uh he, I get to talk about all, all these things at uh, my juvenile sense of humor, which apparently is about on par with Jim Dunn and it's Jim Dunn in particular of the, of the creators. Yeah. I'm, you know, at least they acknowledge it that they, they admit they're still seventh graders. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously they were like, yeah, it was a big question of how he, you know, does it. How we would like, make it happen. And I was like, I don't know if that was like one of my pressing questions, you know, coming out of the pilot. I wasn't like, hmm, Haven, people have power. Can Nathan get an erection? I, I, I we, we got to have an episode to address this. No, an entire know. episode just <laughs> on Nathan's erection abilities. Yes. I, yeah, I don't uh, think that was like uh, the boner I mean, show. Obviously, in Butterfly, it came to mind because he was naked with a girl where I was like, oh, yeah, like, how would that work? You know, but I wasn't initially like, so can he bang? You know, um, but, <laughs> yeah. note, note to self, <laughs> can Nathan perform sexually? Better look into this. Um and that was that was kind of maybe not an issue for me with the episode overall, but it, fe- it felt like uh, their personal lives were more important than this really threatening, um, I don't know, specter, whatever. This the villain was. I thought like this is fu- a class. I thought we were, we hit peak with. Uh, I think we did hit peak with uh, the captain being. Uh, I also like to imagine that this ca- version of the captain from Sketchy is maybe somehow related to the captain from Captain and Tennille. <laughs> That's not that would be great. Name. He used to be as uh, he, he, he could have been a backup singer for Captain and Tennille back in his youth. They did mention in the commentary. I don't know what they were talking about, but they were saying this is a famous house. And I swear they said that it belonged to the captain. But I don't know who they were talking about. And maybe I misheard things, but I was like, what? Like Captain and Tennille captain. But I don't I, I, I can't imagine that's true. Um, I kind of, it, it can't be the captain. Uh, yeah. and, uh, so back to what I was saying is I think we hit peak, obviously with the captain being able to blow up the city with a painting, with a sketch drawing, but yeah, that, that's the most devastating power, but the shadow and the weather, the weather was pretty extreme too. She started like a, a hurricane. Um, but this one's probably at least number three, it's pretty big threat of a killer that is emotionally out of control and can appear and disappear and move you know, without, you know, you being able to stop him or arrest it um, with just the exposure of light being around. I thought this was such a big threat that us kind of worrying about Nathan's, you know, Nathan's erectile dysfunction or, or function or function. Uh, All right. It was in question. But um, inquiring minds want to know. So not, <laughs> now we now we know. We have our answer. You know what? Just end the show. Uh, that was basically all I needed to know. Um, just kidding. Uh, so that's, that's, I kind of felt sometimes where I was like, yeah, I kind of want to get into the intensity of this episode. And I really want to get into how hardcore, I don't want to say hardcore, because I don't want 
we'll talk about that here. We'll transition to that, but I don't want the shadow killer getting like super hardcore, but this is a very intense situation with like a serial killer that can appear anywhere and disappear from anywhere at whim. Um, so I, I, at times I didn't like that their personal lives were such at the forefront, but, but speaking of the shadow, the dark man being such a hardcore killer, let's talk about the commentary with the, the woman who got stabbed in her couch what they originally planned. Yeah, it was crazy. They were going to have the husband leave the room to go turn on the gas to the fireplace. (laughs) While he's gone, the fucking shadow comes in, stabs her in the back, right through the chest, and then drags her body over to the fireplace, throws it in, and then the fucking (laughs) husband uh, turns on the gas and poof, there she goes. I mean... I, I just don't understand why she has to be stabbed and then like uh what Emily dragged across the floor and thrown into the fireplace and burned. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty like that's too many steps. How about like well, cause also the other thing is we don't see the shadow like being able to like other than stabbing people, it can't like it doesn't look like it can push people. And I know in the commentary they get annoyed at they're like they get annoyed at everybody questioning like whoa what are the logistics of the of the dark man it's like yeah people are gonna ask that when they watch the show i know it's kind of dumb and it feels dumb as a writer where you're like you know there's this um <laughs> this comic book writer went you know who you know somebody asked him who fills the air on the tires of the batmobile and he's like who gives a shit like what <laughs> like what are you yeah talking that's a about? that's a that's a fair that's a fair point <laughs> but we saw in the uh the first murder of bill rand we saw him beat the shit out of Bill Rand oh, before right, he stabbed you're right, him. You're right. So th- that would give us the uh, the implication that he could drag. <laughs> now, the, is that right for the for that scene? But it, it <laughs> might have been her and throw her in the fire and, and fucking and, and cook her up, uh, <laughs> cook him up some Wilson. But uh, not to be confused with the volleyball from Castaway. Yeah, the real protagonist. Wilson. You know, uh, Haven was at for a time being uh, being syndicated and was on the Chiller Network. Now, I oh. think the fireplace scene would have played on the on when they aired it on the Chiller Network. But still, yeah. I wouldn't have put it in. I feel like I would have rather the shadow. Well, because it's just so insane. Um, I would have preferred also the dark man be one or the other. Like he can just stab people or then he can physically do things. Right. But it's kind of like he beats the guy up at the beginning and then stabs him, which seems fine. Uh all right, here's what I'll say. Sorry, final judgment. I would have been okay with the fireplace thing if it had also killed Jess. Because at the at the beginning, he beats the shit out of the guy, impales him. Then he impales a woman, throws her in the fire. I, I would have rather just one or the other, to be honest. Like, maybe he slashes her like, you know, God, this is even more violent. He, like, slashes her like Achilles or something, and she falls forward as she's, like, stoking the fire and falls into it or something. Or he just pushes her in. He just pushes. He, yeah, he pushes her in. Yeah, you know, the old foot in the ass and right into <laughs> yeah. the flames. Yeah, face first too. Uh, maybe uh, you know he uh, bends over. You know, like that joke where you know one person gets on there, you know, on all fours behind somebody, and then you push you them. Push them over. Fall. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he does that. You know, splits into two. <laughs> one gets behind her, and then the other one pushes her in. Um, do, do people still they, do that nowadays? Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I haven't been a kid for a while. We did it as kids, uh, or we did okay. it like when we were like. 13 14 yeah so i don't know i think the shadow monster was uh either either we go super violent or we kind of stay where we're at and i would have preferred just stabbing um but it's kind of weird to jess like what did it do to jess really yeah we we really don't see it doesn't show but she's got like bruising up by her, just below her neckline and her uh-huh. uh shoulder 
there and uh so what it, it so killed like- everybody else but it, it just you know it was just giving her a warning yeah yeah it's just like uh yeah i'll beat the shit out of this guy impale him her i'm gonna impale and throw in a fireplace and then just yeah i'm gonna choke her out a bit um but that but to be fair they were planning to kill her so right so once again i think adjustment well thankfully they didn't go with the fireplace plan um <laughs> no i didn't uh I, like i said i would have been fine one. with it if they were willing to take the whole episode of the next level but um it would have been so weird um, if that happened with the way the tone of the episode, because also the episode's like, like I said, it's about their personal lives. It's like, can Nathan get it? Can Nathan get little Nathan up? You know, like that being like a central question. And Vince and Dave's like, yeah, you know, we're taking photo. Like, it's just too much of a humorous episode to then be like, yeah, then that girl got impaled and thrown in a fireplace. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it would be, it would be ill fitting, I think, to the. Yeah, tone. too contrasting. Yeah, too, you know all the way on one end of the spectrum swinging all the way to the other uh, other end of the spectrum well and then as i was mentioning before about about nathan so you know he had all these rough things but then he has the good news that he you know but then the most important thing is that you know at the end when audrey's consoling him and he can feel her touch i mean that's big time you know and that's uh that's like the biggest revelation since lucy yeah yeah um that was clearly the big um hitter the button of the episode and i i I liked it i liked it 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 just it's hard i think i really was like i remember the first time i watched i was like whoa this is crazy this is big um this time i think now it's because i went to school for it now not that that means much and uh and i've more practiced once again not maybe increased in quality but in in volume is i've written a lot more (laughs) i study writing a bit more so i think for now for me that's kind of like glaring for me and I can't, I didn't enjoy the moment um, as much. I also forgot it happened this soon. Once again, like Duke owning the gray goal. I was surprised by yeah. the Audrey Nathan because I was like, man, it happens this soon. I thought this was like a same thing. I, I thought thing. this was like a, I thought this was like a season two thing or maybe the, you know, like season episode 13 this season. Yeah. So I, it's just, I'm finding it, it looks like we're going to get, a lot revealed to us by the end of the season <laughs> that I thought took two years to do. Yeah, me so, too. They're, they're moving. Mean, so we just complained about them not moving, but it <laughs> seems like the second half of the season, Or, but we're also saying like, wow, I didn't know these big developments. So were we expecting it to go slower? I guess I'm not sure. Uh, right. Yeah. No, to, to, to be fair, but yeah. So he's got the touch. He, he can, he can feel the touch. So cool. that, yeah, that, that, that was neat. I, I thought, uh, I thought Lucas Bryant played it well. And uh, then again, I, I like the way he acts. He's, uh, uh-huh. he's, he's a good actor. Do you think, do you think a kiss on the cheek was like, did you think it felt weird? You know what I mean? Like, or did you, did you like, do you think that was the appropriate, you know, do you think like your female friend would give you a kiss on the cheek after getting dumped yeah. like that? Yeah. You know, I, I think so. It was because uh, it, it, it was kind of the moment, you know, they had gone yeah. through, you know, he'd gotten Audrey to accept the fact she has no friends and, you know, <laughs> she she works too much, you know, and he, you know, and he, and he busts her chops about her, uh, you know, maybe one of the reasons you don't have friends is you can't remember anyone's fucking name. So you keep calling me uh, Bell Toad Hot instead <laughs> of uh, instead of Enchanter uh, Sick. Yeah. And maybe I'm not going to like you, Audrey. But uh, so they go through that together and then she sees him get his heart broken and to console him, a kiss on the cheek because they got each other. 
Mm-hmm. So he's not alone. I, I could see it. And, uh, I, th- and I, I could, mm-hmm. I think Go this ahead. is just me being like picky. And this is just cause like we're peeling away the layers and I, and I think I am just being very picky in this moment. I don't think this is an actual criticism um, of the kiss. It was a very nice moment. Very cool. This is me being picky, but I think the kiss is fine. I think it was a very good moment. I just wonder if it was cause they originally intended for them to kiss in the pilot, And then that got changed once they got the whole series and they didn't need to put that kind of like zinger exciting moment in. So they knew they could push it later into the season. Um, and this felt like a good place to do it. I wonder if there was like a, she holds his hand or something would be more like natural. Or I feel like even a very cinematic, although it was still a, it was still like, I thought a well-shot moment. I feel like a, a nice hand touch would have been uh, just as powerful. I know it sounds like so lame. Like it sounds like I were put plastic on my couch. Uh, I'm like a nice hand touch would be enough, but I think a build up to a kiss would be, cause then it's even, I don't know. But like I said, that's just me being picky. I think it was perfectly fine the way it was, and it was a good moment. Yeah, I, I liked it. I like it better than a hand touch myself because, uh, you know, what, what, are they going to hold hands? You know. Yeah, I mean, she just touches his hand, and then, you know, we still get, like, the first look, and then we can get a kiss later. It's a, it's a more of a buildup to the moment. Um, well, and, and, and another thing, you know, while, while we're at this, now, now, now that you got – picking away at shit and now and now stirring things but, up but with me that's just, that's just me being picky once again i'm, I'm okay being an asshole but this is eight episodes <laughs> so they've spent a lot of time together they've and no at no point ever touched bumped bumped that's arms true. or anything or you know, like <laughs> handing over a coffee mug and that, that, <laughs> how do they zone. not yeah <laughs> so these they want the that coffee they're writing episodes all about him touching people incidentally right and getting flashes <laughs> of like oh like, <laughs> Yeah, but then in this show, they have to write them incidentally never touching. Your daughter, your house is a fire. Okay, there's my bad walking. I'm sober. It, That's uh, the sequel. Feel free to edit that one out and uh, <laughs> not embarrass your dad. But but yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, it's a great point that they never had. They've never accidentally touched. I almost feel like she touched his hand in the pilot or something, right? When he like slams it or after he almost gets, she touches him when he almost gets hit by the by the truck she has to tackle him out of the way but maybe maybe it's because of like maybe well, it's he, now we don't know maybe it's just recently maybe they've touched before and like nothing like everybody else but now something's changed in audrey the more time she spends in haven or blah 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 yeah no uh, it's just well like on the when the scene where they ta- she tackles him he might not feel that because he's we've got all these clothes on in the rush of the moment you know and that maybe he didn't f- you know realize it then but this she she kisses him right on, on the you know yeah. right on the, the skin for, uh, not too far away from those wonderful sideburns i was just gonna bring it up i was like another look at those sideburns man he needs some work yeah Guy, guys need uh like you know how women have like eyeliner or something guys need you know some kind of burn liner or something so you can kind of fill them in a bit they look a little thicker or something yeah, just a just a little uh, you know sharpie, and yeah. you know, just get the sharpie out, and you know, it works for hairlines. Um. <laughs> Not mine, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I would need a I would need a can of black paint and a paint roller. Yeah. What did you? Okay, so this is uh, very very incidental and just stupid to bring up, but at one point Jess was reading a book to Thornton. It was uh, because he's blind; he can't read, obviously. So she was reading to him. Um, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yes, it was, it was Romeo and Juliet. As they brought up in the commentary, they had to use a public domain book. Um, did you? And it was originally going to be what Paradise Lost, right? Right. 
do you think what do you think would have been do you think romeo and Juliet was the best book or do you think okay first two-part question one is do you think they should have gone with paradise lost i don't know if it's in public domain i would assume so um or do you think romeo and Juliet was a better choice second question if neither of those which one would you choose that's public okay. domain as far as you know yeah, I don't I don't know if Paradise Lost is public domain. I didn't they mention something about how it was like republished like in 79 or something there or, was some, or there was something up with why they couldn't use yeah. it. But so do they, you think, they do you think it was the better choice Paradise Lost? Yeah, yeah. How how many how many women think uh, you think Paradise Lost is their their favorite book? I mean, I'm sure there's some, but Romeo and Juliet, the cl- classic tragic ro- romance, you know. Whose favorite uh, book? Demonestues in Capulet, uh, a pretentious douche. But uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, who who's like you know? I was at home last night and reading my favorite Shakespeare. Uh, I mean, it's not even a novel, um, right? Yeah. It's like a play, isn't it? Romeo and novel? Juliet. Well, it's a play. The, the, yeah. They're all written as plays. I mean, the only thing else he he wrote sonnets. He wrote sonnets, yes, and that. But uh, I I could see I could see a woman liking liking Shakespeare, uh, Romeo and Juliet more than Par- Paradise Lost. Uh, Milton. Oh, yeah, Wright. no nobody. I I think Paradise Lost was like Paradise Lost was more for what thematically they could say with it. But like, who's like, oh, you know, uh, my wife's favorite book was Paradise Lost. Could you read it to me? What? No. Like, yeah, she liked to curl up by the fire and read Dante's (laughs) Inferno. And yeah, yeah. no. So I I thought it was I thought it was a good book because, you know, So you you thought Romeo and Juliet was the better choice of of those two of of those two Of, of what you're aware of that's in the public domain. What would you if you could sub in? I got my choice. I was like, I was like, eh, Romeo and Juliet. I could see it, but I think there's a better option here. Well, if we're uh, going, if we're going public domain, I, 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 I'm almost betting we're on the same page. We have the same book. I feel like you're gonna say what I feel like you're gonna say what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm gonna say Count of Monte Cristo. What? No, that's not what I was gonna say. <laughs> no, not Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know. Oh my Does that God. apply? Does that apply? I, I'm thinking like that's like that's a classic, you know? No, yeah. no, it's my favorite. It's my favorite book. I don't know if it necessarily like applies to the situation. I guess it does because it's like his shadow going for revenge. Like I guess in a similar way, he's if we're gonna get philosophical, he's a shadow of you know who Edmund Dantes was. But uh, well, maybe his maybe his wife liked it because it was uh, you know a tale of uh, redemption and uh-huh. revenge. You know, it, it, hey, she was attracted to uh, Thornton, who's a bitter anger man. So <laughs> right, who knows? She might like that. She might be like, this guy treats me like shit all the time. But in here, I can be, you know, giving dishing it back to the, you know, but Edmund title bastards. Uh, Edmund wasn't like Edmund was nice to the people he. I, I mean, he played <laughs> some. He played some big games for some big stakes, but he was uh protective of people around him which doesn't sound like thornton that was the case at all from but when she was alive it sounded like he was an abusive angry bastard so i don't know if the comparison's apt well i I don't know if i'm ready to jump to he beat the shit out of her and shit like that i you know i'm just saying my my mind went he said he was angry and bitter which i I, i'm gonna take as uh you know Petty what do you think and, he had that cane for? I, I, I you know, because he's fucking blind. That's why he had the cane. It's so he doesn't walk into the fucking wall. The book I thought was a perfect analogy, and I could see being someone's favorite was Frankenstein. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's about uh, his monster, his creation, going wild and killing pe- and hurting people. 
Yeah, I just looked. I wasn't worried about fitting the theme. I was more about what I'd like to read and enjoy. So, Count <laughs> well, of Monte Cristo. That's kind of like you know. I think when you're choosing books, it's important to, or like I don't know. When I see someone's like favorite book, I think it's two parts of like yeah, would they really enjoy this? Because yeah, sure, Paradise Lost fits, but it's like yeah, well, who's reading Paradise? Like you were saying, like Dante's Inferno, like. Or it's like White Goodman with a dictionary, right? It's like, okay, no one actually, you know, it's like just a preposterous thing. I read it in a book. Um, Wait a minute. I've done that twice now. I think I got to. So I think Frankenstein fits as people really like Frankenstein and still to read it. It's in public domain. And I think it fits this current story as a man's monster. It's not his technical creation, but it's, you know, his monster going on the loose. And then the town coming at him with pitchforks for what he's done for the monster oh. that he incidentally created when he was just coming to coming to kill him vi- violently like Nathan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think it, uh, I think it fits. Uh, there's no fire at the end, I guess, but, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and then, uh, something I, I liked was I liked how they handled Thornton's trouble at the end, you know, that's a very humane way to do it. Cause if you think about it, he's blind. so it's not going to impact him, him being, you know, it, with the blackout curtains and, you know, and packages yeah. left. It's not, it's not going to impact him whatsoever. Except he can't leave. Well, but he, he was, he was a considerate person. And because, you know, like he was like, you should kill me, you know, because you never wanted to hurt Jess and that. So I, I'm it not was questioning some... that. I'm just saying it still kind of sucks that he can never leave his house. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that part of it sucks, but. You know, is it better than it's better than killing them or putting them in like uh like isolation in a prison in a like a deprivation tank or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, an echo chamber or some, yeah. something. So I thought I thought that was kind of cool. A couple of, another thing I noticed was, um, you know, and I, I, I knew it before the listening to the commentary, but there have been, you know, crimes where pharmacists have like diluted chemotherapy drugs and resold them and made tons, made a lot of money, but also, you know, killed people, yeah. you know, and uh, Samaras knows what he's talking about with this. This is a very, uh, you know, kind of personal episode for him because uh, sadly his wife was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and, but she survived. And, but he had to go, you know, through it with her. And, you know, so he knew what he was writing, writing about in this one and, you know, being ex pharmacy in the army and then, you know, pharmacy management at various points in my career, not a pharmacist. I, you know, it's always when when I hear of like pharmaceutical malfeasance, you know, it's something I always read and, and picks up because, um, you know, back in the day, uh, pharmacists were even more trusted than doctors. And when they when they go rogue, it offends me. At the end of every episode, we kind of like to do a special segment. Um, we've, we've done some <laughs> some crazy ones up to this point. This one's kind of getting back on the rails. Uh, it's not technically Haven related. And our choice uh, placement is pretty ironic. Um since you didn't get any Duke this episode, we thought we'd give you some nice Eric Balfour uh, content to kind of make up for that because we know you're missing him. Um, we wanted to talk about Eric Balfour's music career. It's a nice little tie-in, a nice little plug-in to talk about. We've been kind of talking about music a lot. We mentioned it a little bit last episode. Obviously, we did a Wu-Tang generator, name generator, and now uh, we're going to talk about Eric Balfour's music career. Um, just kind of tying into the episode we did for Patreon, our bonus episode that was about reviewing all the licensed music that was used in season one of Haven. Uh, we did kind of an album review of it. Uh, it's very fun. Um, 
comes out. It's came out this month, so we want you to check it out, see if it's fun, see it, tell us what you think. But to kind of keep on that music role that we've been on, we're going to talk about Eric Balfour's initial band, Fridalba, uh, and then his, you know, reformatted band, uh, Born as Ghosts. Born as Ghosts, right? And uh, w- one thing I, you know, before we get into it, is uh, I'd highly recommend Patreon. You know, people become uh, Patreon members. Uh, you know, obviously for the, you know, the fiscal aspect of it but i think the episodes we're we're doing are, are pretty good i'm the soundtrack one is i like the colorado kid one but it's not quite as fun as the soundtrack one so the soundtrack one i i thought we, we we really crushed that one it was a fun fun episode and then look out next month for our next one but we're gonna keep that one a, a mystery until probably next episode we'll, uh, we'll tease you at some point with what it's gonna be <laughs> and you know but not too hard because we don't want you to be stressed and I know exactly how to tease them with the song Slide Your Breath. Did you... <laughs> I listened to the entire Fredalba oh, album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we and... had to. We got we to gotta tell people about this. Um, so, uh, you know, Eric Balfour's first band was Fredalba. And the, uh, the, the only album I could find was uh, Uptown Music, Uptown Music for uh, Downtown Kids. You know, yeah, so. I think that's the only one out. Um, and then, it, yeah, some... re- released January 6, thousand and five. Yes, and um, f- fun. Uh, I looked at uh, who the record label was. It was by Pillar Records, which should sound familiar because it was created by Sean Pillar and his mother. Do you want to tell us who Sean Pillar? Is. Oh, one of the executive producers of Haven. Yeah, so I get, I'm guessing that's how Sean Pillar met um, Eric Balfour. And then, you know, when he got involved with Haven, they're like, yeah, we're casting. We need to kind of like, you know, a, a guy who evokes the emotion of Rascal Sunset or something. And he was like, I got the perfect guy. Super You're going to like this guy. Yeah, he's uh, you super know. good looking, charming, good actor, musically talented. Uh, his name is Eric Balfour. So I'm guessing that's where the connection came from. There was also some other connections. Um, if you listen to the Patreon episode, we talked about uh, Lindsay Price. Uh, she has a connection to Sean Pillar, right? Uh, used to be married to him. Right. And then the band The Woods, their album that uh, we had a hard time kind of finding around on the internet, but we found it on YouTube. We talked about them on the Patreon episode too. They have some songs in the show. They're also on Pillar Records. So um, those are pretty don't, much the only three albums I could really find. On yeah, I wouldn't place. recommend. Uh, um, not, whoa, not the woods. Whoa, whoa. Let's 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 leave. Uh, let's leave the mystery. Recommend. Yeah, yeah. They have to listen to the Patreon episode to find out if we like the woods or not. So let's just talk about for Let's talk about the kind of uh, some of the early parts before we get into the music. What we thought about the music. So Fredal was original band, then it kind of gets reformatted into Born as Ghosts. Um, he says he was a musician before he was an actor, that he cared more about music initially, and that acting was kind of second to that. I could see that. I mean, m- most people, rock star actor? Come, come on, you got to think rock star. Yeah. Um, uh, at least I would. I mean, it, it's not even close, though I would take being an actor, even if uh, even if it was Tromaville films, I would do oof, it. Um, or would you be a model? Would you model, act? I mean, he got all three. He's got the trifecta. He's modeling, acting, and uh, releasing albums. Um, but if you had to pick one, which one? I, I'm guessing you would pick music, right? Yeah, definitely. By, by far. I mean, though my dreams of being a middle-aged uh, male model for women in their 70s, you know, it would be, uh, you know. You got to get, get on your Sharpie close. game. You got to get on that Sharpie game to get there. I'm not bald. My hair is clear. <laughs> Like you said, debut album was Uptown Music for Downtown Kids. Um, 
the name. I don't know if you found did, out I, how they I named was, the band. Yeah, I, I, I did. You tell us. So while Eric and uh, one of the other members of the band were in France, uh, they only had U.S. dollars and they needed to exchange for euros. And they came upon a prostitute named Freydalva, who was willing to exchange her their dollars for euros, even though she ripped them off on the uh, on the, the exchange rate itself. Then later, they were driving up into the mountains to go snowboarding, and they saw a Fridalba street sign and said, "This, we got to do it. It's got to be Fridalba." Yeah. I actually like that. I think that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty cool. And it's unique. It's like a. It's a unique band name. I. I just don't. I, I. I'd prefer something like. I'd prefer something memorable, right? Which like you're gonna like hate me, but like a band called like the National. I'm like, nah, like a, a dumb band name. Um, which I know yeah, you're I'll, like. I'll, Blasphemy. Be you, you watch your mouth when you talk bad about like Matt Berenger and the boys. It's right. like a Dalek on me. Um, exterminate. Do not exterminate. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're out of the. You're out of the will now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Fredalba is an interesting name. Uh, Board is ghosts. Kind of goes back to being generic. I'm not sure. How, I don't really like that as a band name. I prefer Fredalba. Well, you know where they got the idea, right? For Born as Ghosts. Yeah. No, no. Tell me. I didn't find this one. It's a song on the Battle of Los Angeles by Rage Against the Machine. Mm, so they got the name actually from? They, no no one said that. I'm assuming that, especially oh. when I listen to their music and I hear, you know, I can see a Tom Morello effect, you know, oh. with, in some of the guitar playing. You know what happens when you assume. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm, I'm giving I'm giving Eric Eric and the boys and uh, you know some some cred here, you know. And girl, they had a flutist in Fredalba. I don't know if she was in Born as Ghosts, but um, Fredalba, she had a flute, and I would say actually the flute was one of my Prominent. favorite parts of uh, yeah. the album. For uh, I have it right uh, here. Uptown uh, music yeah, yeah. for downtown kids. Uh, so I would say the flute is probably one of my favorite parts of Uptown music for downtown kids. To be honest. So so she's a flautist. Is that what it is? A flautist. Yes. I, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's a flute player. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You should have an electric flute. How would that be? Like a yellow card with that electric violinist. They should have like an electric. But in the interview, he was like, "Yeah, introducing a flute was a cool element um, that previous older like some of their influences had." And I thought I I I actually I actually liked the flute a lot. I thought it was like a nice touch. Um, broke up kind of the now um, some of the songs blend in together, but the flute kind of I thought gave distinct. Oh yeah, I listen to every song and rated every song on a ten point scale. And uh, uh, you can check our uh, notes and stuff for the the exact ratings. Um, but what were some of your favorites? <laughs> my my favorite my favorite song on the album was uh, was Progression. And uh, yeah, I, I I really liked you know it's got a nice chill vibe. I I really I really liked it. I think I liked Progression. Yeah, and then uh, my second was probably. Was Speak. was probably was probably prepared to reactivate. Yeah, I I I, I had nice funky guitar and I kind of liked the samples and scratches in it. And because you know you, you can you can see their influences right through this Incubus, <laughs> freaking. Uh, well, I think it was just a product. Incubus of the Rage era. and sometimes even some uh, some Sublime, maybe you know some with a little reggae like. Yeah, very SoCal. It's very Southern California yeah. sound. And that's where they're from. So it, it, yeah. it's natural for them. Like like uh. The most popular song based on downloads was uh, "Leaders of the Wasteland," which uh, yeah. I ranked I ranked in at a one because uh, because it takes effort to make music, they get a one. 
Leader, yeah, Leaders of the Wasteland is probably one of my least favorite. Um, probably one of my favorite moments of the album is this song I already mentioned, which was um, Slide Your Breath was a wild experience. I was like, because so I read a, I read one of his interviews. I don't know if you read the Honolulu or the Hawaii one when he was on that show, but he I talked did about it and he was trying to make a, a Prince song like uh, what's uh, it? Darla Nikki. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to kind of homage Prince. And he says, he's like, I don't know if I succeeded. I don't think so. But uh, it was pretty fun, um, which I <laughs> there is like a full blown like orgasm in the middle of there's just a woman moaning uh, <laughs> to climax yeah. in the middle of the song. That was just like, you know, you're like, what the fuck? Like, because <laughs> the song I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, oh, OK, this is the Prince one. Yeah, 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 and I was like, "What was he? Was he? Was he really doing Prince, or was he trying to do Barry White?" Because uh, he said Prince. I think uh, he probably got casted once. I'm going off the commentary. Sam Ernst and Jim Dunn. You know, they were uh, they were talking some ladies up in the commentary, and I think uh, they heard this song and they're like, "Oh yeah, Eric Balfour gets it. He gets you know he gets what we're going for." And they probably showed him <laughs> yeah. a clip. They showed him a clip of the Audrey trying on dresses in the boutique scene for Vince and Dave. A flash forward to that. And Eric Balfour is like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got the song for the background in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shine. There were parts of Shine that I kind of liked, but goddamn, was it cheesy. Oh, my goodness. The like openings of him being like, yeah, you just got to cut through the fake, you know, fakeness of the world and like be yourself and like believe in it. I was like, yeah. all right, man, I don't need the like dare PSA in the, you know. It just yeah. sounded cheesy and lame, but I kind of, I think it would have been the song that I think they most could have turned into a single, like a radio single. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think progression would definitely would have been a radio single. Uh, Shine, I gave it a six. I, I, I like the opening actually, you know, good guitar intro. Yeah, it kind of gets worse as it goes. But I, I just, I mean, you know, and I'm not, I'm not cracking on them because it, you know, it takes, you know, effort and talent, you know. He has more albums than we do. Than we do. <laughs> so like, I'm not, I'm just not a fan of his rapping. You know, I just, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to fit him to, for me. And I know that was popular at the time. Yeah. And, but I, I just, that, that's like when he's uh, like leaders of the wasteland. I absolutely hate. I mean, it was uh, an article. I was, one of the articles reading where they're comparing his rapping skills, you know, to like other contemporary things. And they're like, yeah, similar to Mike Shinoda. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa I, okay. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Like, he's got Grammys. All right. Yeah, uh, let's, uh, like, he's got Grammys and, and I have to make a very concerted effort to find this. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, Mike Shinoda, Lincoln Park, and you know Fort Minor and solo stuff he does. I was like, I don't think. Uh, I, I, I actually, did, I actually liked his rapping. I think more than you did. I actually didn't mind mm -hmm. it. it um, at certain points, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, let's let's, and obviously it's probably just bias because like Lincoln Park was my favorite band. But I was like, let's slow our role on comparing him to Mike Shinoda. Um, it's just because he's, you know, not black and, and rapping. That's the only comparison really to be made. Uh, yeah, no, that's, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's Belfour's angels who were, uh, yeah, you know, pushing that, pushing that uh, narrative, like, which yeah, is cool. He's basically Eminem, you know, atmosphere. I would think he's, oh, he's <laughs> a little edgier, you know, well, no one's edgier than Eminem, though. Actually, you know, he kills people and throws them in the trunk, and you know, yeah. lyrically, um, not, not in reality. Did you read the story behind Revelation, the song? Or he told he told it, I think, in uh, one of the videos. I, I'm assuming we both watched. 
Uh, I, I I didn't see. I really didn't watch any of the interviews with them. I, I was focused on really, you know, I'm a music guy, and uh, I, so this was some. So Revelation um, is a pretty. It's a pretty telling. What did you What did you rate Revelation before I tell you the story? Five. All right. Well, you're gonna go guilt here. <laughs> it's got it's got good acoustic guitar opening. I, I really like the like the horn section, you know, the, the, the trumpet or sax. I mean, I, I, I thought it was trumpet, but it might have been a sax. I really like that. The chorus is it's it's okay, and I, I just I didn't I didn't like his I didn't like his rapping. So All right. So story behind Revelation was that um, before he was driving, one day he was driving, and a drunk driver swerved over and smashed his car. And uh, he kind of swerved to try to avoid him, but the car hit him anyway. And his car went up onto the sidewalk, hit a kid, and ran over the kid's leg. And he, uh, the kid lost his leg. Oh, God, that's horrible. So um, this one's kind of uh, – the the this song is kind of about that. And so the first verse he said I think is like kind of just like about how he's feeling. And then the second verse is uh, kind of re- uh, re- telling kind of the story of what happened. And it was pretty intense in the interview. He's getting pretty emotional, and you can tell that it was very, uh, very. Is really hard. I mean, I can't imagine that's. that's I can't so imagine shitty. that. No, um, that is because uh, he's like, yeah, I know. Like, obviously, it's not really my fault, but like, you know, it's hard dealing with the idea that you know you like really fucked he, up this kid's. I, you know, I was my car that like ran over his leg. You know, like yeah, he was he he was that. part of it. Yeah, even if it wasn't his fault, he was part of it. So yeah, no, I feel for him. That's horrible. So uh, that's so. <laughs> I, I, you know, you hear that and you're like, oh, man, I, I can't dislike this song. This is about, you know, like slide your breath. You can be like, oh, OK, he was trying to do a Prince song with this. You're like, oh, man, like this is really hard, intense, emotional stuff. And it always, you know, it's one of those moments that kind of reminds you of what artists are going through or what they're trying to talk about and what, you know. Right. Um, well, well, and and back to uh, slide your breath. I mean, the only person who can do a Prince song is Prince and he's no longer <laughs> with us. So there will be no more, uh, but unless there's some new stuff like in, in the vault of, of his, cause he was just too, too unique. Yeah. I mean, I've never thought of someone and go, Oh yeah, he's just like Prince. Oh, Prince <laughs> is a one of a kind. It's kind of like Bowie. You never hear everyone goes, Oh yeah. yeah guys just like David Bowie. Man, speaking of people we we've lost, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, what would you rate the album overall out of 10? Did you give the album a, a rating? For some reason, I did not, but I'm I'm looking at it. So you, you know, did every song, but not the <laughs> the album. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this is that it's very of its time. It's hard to it's very hard to like listen in 2020 for the first time because yeah. a lot of elements of it are like things that were super specific to that time period. Um, and so, unless I think you have like nostalgia, and it's easier because you know we like I like music from that time, or you know, like from that time period. Uh, I think this is something I would have liked some songs on as a kid. Not probably all of them. I think it's a little too funky for my taste when I was uh, back in 2005, when I was like 13, like 12, 13. So I think it was too yeah, funky that was, for uh, my taste. No. What did you... Um, I would rate the album probably a six because, I mean, I really, really do like progression. I will probably add that to my Amazon playlist. That's the only one I really super liked, but... Like I said, uh, prepare to reactivate was pretty good. It gave that a seven. So yeah, I think a six because I got I got quite a few ones. You know, I, I give them a lot of credit because I, my biggest concern going into this was uh, is this just a vanity project? 
But then, you know, it turns out, like you said, you know, he's a musician first. So it wasn't, and he can sing, he can sing and he can play. I mean, they're actually talented musicians. It's just like, it's very dated. And if you eliminated a lot of the, and I could see how it'd be too funky for you every now and then I like, I like some then, then I don't mind as much now, but I'm saying 12 year old me's tastes. So yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was good. I, I mean, I can see why, you know, it didn't hit the billboard charts. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say one thing I give it a lot of credit for is that it's, it see it mixes an outrageous amount of elements. Like, I mean, you got like turn t- uh, the turntables are so dated, but uh, it's got like you know like it's got like scratching, it's got flute, it's got like singing, rapping, guitar. Like, some some are more rocky, some are more rappy, some are more like funky. Um, <laughs> hold your breath, you know, it's just got an orgasm in the middle of it. Um, but I'll say yeah. that it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it feels cohesive. It feels like they've fit these crazy ass sounds for the most part, I think into a, like a brand, right? Like it's, it has a specific, I mean, it's significant because I did a podcast about it, but now there's like, to me, a Fridalba sound where I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a SoCal funk, rock, rap, flute, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like music um so i think it it has like a nice little like has a nice feel whereas like some albums you listen to and you're like yeah i don't know what was it that one song right like maybe a record label pushed a certain song into the album that they didn't want or something like that um yeah, it was. I agree with you that it was cohesive, and uh, you know, I think it works for the type of mu- music it is, and uh, you know that you know, SoCal, you know, LA SoCal sound. I, I can, I totally can see that. Like I said, I'm I'm a big Incubus fan. I saw them at South by Southwest. They were amazing. Uh-huh. And you know, and and that was you know kind of popular. I was you know having the DJ up there, you know, scratching and stuff, and that. Like I said, I, I was worried it was a vanity project, but. But he um he can play he he can sing you know I just you know probably isn't the best rapper but you know not not to be offensive but because I would like Eric Valfour uh, to join the show some point in the future. I like how so. that's offensive. He's not the best rapper. Um, I mean, if, if you were like he's a shit rapper, then I would understand. Uh, yeah, I ain't gonna think go you're that. offending him with being like I don't know if he's a great rapper. I'd imagine he's like yeah, I'm probably not a great rapper. And then we're gonna get an angry email with him saying the fuck what? i am a great rapper i am a great rapper that's right well he yeah. eliminates rap out of it pretty much completely with born as ghosts right um from what what i've listened to yeah yeah i didn't find much like really uh just it's hard main, to find it yeah i had to like probe around the big song that has two versions of it right the rock kind of version and then he has a slowed down version of a uh, uh light on yeah light on um <laughs> what do you think of light on which one did you did you hear both of them the fast and slow version yeah, yeah, I like uh, I like Light On actually. It's catchy. Yeah, yeah. It's it catchy gets, song. you know, for me, it's like a transition. They went from really doing this incubus rage, maybe a little sublime mixed in thing, mm-hmm. and then because it's you know it's after Fredalba, so it seems like they're moving more closer towards the emo side. Though I probably wouldn't say it's you know doesn't have any of the 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 screaming in the middle of after beautiful right. choruses. Well, that'd be screamo, screamo, right? So it's a good song. It's catchy. I, like I was telling you, I've been stuck in my head all day because. Um... <laughs> yeah, I actually like the faster version than the, I, I kind of thought. Mm, yeah, my, definitely. My tastes have changed significantly, but as a definitely when that came out, what, 2007, I want to say was the year it had or 2008, something like that. Something like that. I definitely would have 
I definitely would have listened to that song. That would have been definitely one I liked a lot when I was uh, like 14. I would definitely or 13. I definitely would have liked Born as Ghosts. Uh, you know, I hear songs from that period. And I'm like, ew, ew, like, meh. But this one, I was like, yeah, this is, is good. This is good. I would, I would have definitely like liked this a lot back in back in the day. Because um, once again, they're very much both kind of eras of his music are products of their time. There's Eric Balfour's music career. If we missed any songs or stuff that you guys are like, wait, they didn't talk about, da, 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 you know, email us, reach out to us. Uh, but I think that's the end of the episode. We'll return to the town beneath the town in one week. The quickest way to reach us is by email. You can contact us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. Once again, you can find us on just about anywhere you listen to podcasts like Apple, Google, um, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher. We'll also have the podcast up on YouTube and Vimeo if that's all that is available to you. Uh, we don't have real video, but it's just kind of like a you know, little thing on there. Uh, and it really helps us when you hit the like or subscribe and even more if you leave a review. Uh, if you want the podcast straight from the source, you can visit us at troubledpodcast.com. We'll have all our episodes, news, and the like all in one place for you. And if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates, you can follow us at Havens Troubled. That's a capital H and a capital T. We love making the show for you, but there are costs. We love to upgrade some of our gear and services uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, I don't know if we can pleasure you like uh, Eric Balfour's song, but <laughs> we're uh, asking for your help. We have a Patreon page linked in the show notes. Um, if you become a patron, you get exclusive bonus episodes. As I mentioned, I already talked about it. Uh, it's a series called Extra Syrup. It's our companion series, one episode a month. Like we said, this one is an album review uh, for all the licensed music used in Haven. We're always excited for listener feedback and we love to hear from you, whether it's criticism or praise. We want to interact with the fans. I want to thank everyone for listening to us. And, uh, you know, if you know anyone who would like to hear the show, please feel free to spread the word. And once again, uh, please send any feedback you'd have. We'd love to hear from you. You know, even if it's not, uh, you know, if you, hey, why don't you guys, you know, knock this out or try this or something. We'd be, we'd be glad to hear it, hear what you have to, have to say. I want everyone to be safe Have a great week, and most importantly, please remember, never let your troubles get you down.